and we're live sports dev welcome guys uh it's been a minute our main man mike the champion from west side i'm at your service my brother from california is in the house uh before we jump in thank you everyone for joining us if you're watching this recorded version if you're listening to it on spotify thank you so much um again as always Arewa Baobab, A-R-E-W-A-B-A-O-B-A-B.com is our sponsor. Uh, fantastic superfruit powder straight from the Arewa region of Nigeria. High in vitamin C, antioxidants, one of the best things you can add to your diet. Uh, check them out again at Arewa, A-R-E-W-A-B-A-O-B-A-B.com and buy yourself one of the products there. So, my man, how have you been? Look, I'm blessed. You know, um, we, we seem to be coming out of the winter months in the California region. It's getting warmer a little bit. Uh, we've changed time. So, you know, things are looking up. You know, they say hope springs eternal. So that's that's where we're at now. Uh, yeah. And, you know, otherwise, just getting ready to see this this run in and all the, the different leagues around the world. Super Eagles, yeah, World Cup. I'm ready, buddy. I'm ready. 100%. This, this is an interesting time of the year because... A lot of things happen, and, and coupled now with the eve of the the World Cup finalists, finding out who those are going to be globally. So, you know, all over Africa, Asia, Europe, um, North America. I saw Canada qualify today. Um, you know, just a bunch of different. Everyone's you know trying to figure out who's going to be in Qatar by or Qatar as they pronounce it by 2022. Uh, end of the year, exciting times. And then, of course, leagues are rounding up. It's getting to that point where everyone's going to be jostling for Champions League spots, who's going to win the league. And then you have Champions League knockout stages. We just saw the quarterfinals of, um, I mean, the, the draw for the quarterfinals happen. Uh, my team, Chelsea, is going to play uh, Real Madrid. That should be fun. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things going on in, in the world of uh, soccer. And, um, and it's exciting. It's really exciting, and I think, um, you know, definitely. But but before we do, jump into all that, it's it's Women's Month, right? Am I right? It's Women's Women. History Month, March. Women's yes. History Month. Yes, and, and in Nigeria, today is actually uh, Mother's Day. So let's wish a happy Mother's Day to all the Nigerian ladies all over yes. the world and every mother everywhere in reality. So All the know. women out there and all the mothers out there, and um, I have children, so I've seen what it takes to be a mom. My hats off to you, Indeed. and um, and I apologize to my mom for all the hell I put it through. <laughs> oh man, I think a simple apology is not enough, bro. You're gonna you're gonna need to do go 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 to church, do a Thanksgiving service for the for the, for the for the you know for the prayer that needs to be done on behalf of you. Absolutely, hundred percent. <laughs> Moms are they're the, the foundation mom. of every family. So moms are awesome. You know, That's without a doubt. Shout man. out to shout out to all the moms out there. Well, speaking of the women's. Um, Women's uh, Appreciation Month or History Month. One of the things that uh, you know, I, I feel like we don't talk about enough of in our podcast is the women's game. You know, especially when it comes to uh, the Super Falcons, the under twenty team, the Falconettes, and the under seventeens, the Flamingos. And these ladies have actually flown the banner for Nigeria for quite a bit. They, in fact, one will say they're in in all the sporting spares. They're the most successful, most efficient successfully. These are 
if I'm not mistaken, uh, they've won either nine out of the 11 African women's championships. They are on offer when we talk about the Super um, the Falcons. And uh, they just qualified again for the next edition of the African women's championship, which is a qualification series for the World Cup. And they had to go through a tough battle against the Ivory Coast. They overcame them 2-0 in in Abuja. In fact, one of the biggest things about that game was that it was actually the first official match at the Mushuda Biola Stadium in Abuja after the renovation. So the Super Falcons yeah. were the ones that graced it. Uh, and then in the return leg, uh, I believe they also overcame the Ivorians in the return leg. If I believe the score was maybe one nothing, so it was a three nil aggregate score. And what's significant about that is the Ivorians were the same ones that knocked Nigeria out of the Olympic qualifying series for the 2020 Olympics that happened in 2021, which actually the Super Falcons have missed out on the last two Olympics, which is kind of surprising. So, you know, uh, positives on there is that, you know, we have a new coach in America in Waldron. I took over from mm -hmm. the uh, ex-coach they had that, that quit the job because uh, I guess he was complaining about NFF interference and O&M back salary. But this new gentleman has seemed to put the Super Falcons in order. He's gotten a couple of dual national, uh, nationality players to come play for Nigeria, yeah. especially some players that apply their trade here in the United States. And particularly one lady that is English by birth. Her grandfather is Nigerian. Ashley pumped her. And if yeah, you look at her... her yeah. You will see that she looks completely white, but she has Nigerian background in her. And she, you know, finally came and represented the Falcons. And she was the darling of the the fans because not because she was white and representing Nigeria because she was balling. She she in fact, I, I actually watched uh, parts of the first half or was it the second half of the match against the Ivory Coast? And every time she touched the ball, she oozed class. She plays for Leicester in the in England, English. Yeah. Premier League. And so, uh, on a side note, she actually played a match today where they won nine nothing, but she ended up getting having a head injury. Um, but yeah, so the Super Falcons seem to be on their way back. Uh, obviously, the top I think is the top two, uh, two or three. I forget the exact number that qualifies. So if you finish in the top three, yeah, the top three in Africa qualify for the. World Cup, which is something that is kind of a birthright for Nigeria. So I feel like we yeah. probably should give them a little bit more credit, a little bit more um, more exposure. You know, Nigeria has a, a pretty decent league that's going on uh, inside the country. I know a couple of teams like the uh, Bielsa teams. There's a team in Bielsa, one in Rivers. Rivers uh, Queens, I believe, or Babe, something like that. Again, see, yeah. me, I'm talking. I don't even know the, the full details. Uh, <laughs> no, so no, you're good. right. Uh, no, it, it's in terms of trophies for Super Falcons, you can't even compare. I mean, hands down, they're the best national team um, in all of Nigeria. Completely. They've won more trophies, completely, hands down. They're the best. I would say they're the most successful team in sports in Africa. Without a doubt. Without, Without a doubt. doubt. Without a doubt. The I only mean, thing it, it, is... One was one we understand just from watching. You can see that um, the rest of the African continent is caught up a little bit, and also I think we've come down a bit too in terms of quality. Even the style of play is not as as it used to be, but perhaps that's because the other teams are just better, or mm -hmm. you know it's just a normal cycle of things. You're not going to stay on top forever, but uh, like you said, they are pretty much no hands down. I mean, the number of trophies they've won, they are just hands down amazing, and. Um, Unfortunately, they don't get the recognition as much of the recognition as they should. 
Um, I think I think because of the fact that they haven't translated their dominance in Africa into the world stage. So up to this day, they've only had two um, two moments in the World Cup where they've gone past the first round, and maybe one time in the Olympics where they've gone past the first round. So, and if you ever read any write up on the Super Falcons, especially from foreign media. One of the things they always say, they talk about their dominance, and but at the end, it's always that statement. But they have yet to translate that into uh, the international stage, in the world stage. All right. So this is why we hired, um, you know, a lot of people, there were some concerns about hiring Waldron, a man, to coach this team, a foreigner, an American. Because they were saying, why don't you give the job to one of the ex ex Super Falcon players? Like at this point, we you know we have enough experience because our girls play all over the world. We have Oshala uh, playing in Barcelona. She was the leading scorer in, in um, La Liga Feminine this year. Wow. Um, even with injury, that's coming to her quite a bit. She's been she's missed quite a few weeks, so that's quite impressive. And Barcelona female team is as good as it gets in. They, they're they're con- consistently in the semifinals or winning the uh, Champions League for the UEFA Champions League for the women. Um, and a, whole, a host of other players that we have that are worldwide are scoring goals week in, week out, or starting playing. So our girls are not second class to anybody, but we just don't translate that to winning these games in, at the World Cup and stuff like that. Because countries like USA, Norway, Germany, Sweden, Japan, even Canada, Australia, those countries are miles ahead of Nigeria when it comes to the women's game. And I don't know why. I'm not really sure exactly why. Well, I think it's it's primarily because they, they put more emphasis and more investment into the game. You know, I'll give you an example like U.S. and um, Canada have some of the highest female players registered to play soccer at the youth level in the world. Right. So and then you have the college system with the college scholarships. So you have a lot of young girls playing soccer early. It's a huge thing. They play leagues. They play a lot of soccer before they even get to a certain age. And then they play college soccer. And then you have the leagues now with the NWSL. Right. So you have a system that's already established across the board where the cream is going to rise to the top. Right. And you're going to have the best of the best. And they compete on a regular basis. And that's the void we have in Nigeria, right? We don't, if you even find a team of women playing football, you know, you, you have to, you take your hat off to them. <laughs> um, Facts, because it's just, it's just rare, you know, and, and people haven't yeah. really gotten behind it. And the youth development for young girls is not pushed as much. I mean, most of these players, like you talked about, Asisat, you know, most of them, they tell you their stories about, you know, the challenges they had to fight against just so they could keep playing, you know, it'll shock you. But right. that, that's the um, that's the challenge. And that's why if we're able to really get behind them, especially considering, you know, despite all these challenges, they've won the most trophies in Africa. They keep winning. So, Which maybe says something about the rest of Africa itself. Maybe, the, maybe in fact, because I remember... I remember when they first started out. I remember being a kid and just watching the women play. And back then, we used to beat teams 10-0, 8-0. You know, teams like Ghana was like the only country that could even maybe rub shoulders with our shins. So that means instead of collecting 10, they collected four or five (laughs) (laughs) instead. And we're talking about home and away. 
because we were just so much better. You know, we had players like Inkiru, Kosiame, the brother, the sister of uh, um, the Mercy Akide. Mercy Akide, uh -huh. yeah. those guys, those those girls were trendsetters, man. They just seemed larger than life back then. I remember. Yeah, so yeah. perhaps what's happening is that the rest of the countries in Africa, maybe maybe as bad as we're talking about it with us, we're actually the best. We well, we're ahead of the rest of the continent because we started supporting the women a little sooner than everybody else. And in some places, they still frown upon women even running around oh, 100%, playing 100%. soccer. It's, it's a yeah, mentality yeah. that has to change because at this point, the world, we, we, we're beyond that now where it's like you restrict the woman to only certain roles. Women have shown that they can bring prestige to and honor to your country through sports. And they're very capable. You know, it's not just soccer alone. We're talking about things like track and field. Even if you want to even just venture out a little bit, talking about uh, Okagbare. Unfortunately, she's been banned for 10 years for testing positive. She's yeah, represented. She's you know, uh, if you think about the Kenyans, they have tons of women that, that come back with medals from the Olympics. South Africa. I mean, it's all over the place. So African women in sports, we excel. Speaking of, you know, not to hog up the spotlight on the Falcons, the Falconettes themselves, we need to congratulate them. The under-20 women's team just uh, overcame the Senegalese in a two-legged affair. I think they won 3-1, I want to say, in Senegal, and 4-1 yeah. in, in Benin on on yesterday, actually, either yesterday or Thursday in the last couple oh, of days. Yeah. So they qualified over a 7-2 aggregate, and they're going to be in the under-20 the World Cup. Now, they are... Those ladies have actually represented themselves really well internationally because they finished uh, second twice in, on the podium in the Under-20 World Cup and uh, one of the only African teams and one of the few teams that has never missed qualifying for that competition. And so that's that's quite impressive. The wow. Under-17s <laughs> also, I believe they've also qualified, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So things are looking well when it comes to football and looking up when it comes to football and and uh and nigeria no is it um definitely looking up i think you know the key point there is like you said trying to get more women involved in sport and i think you know outside of just the physical and developmental aspects of sport when you look at it it's it's one of those things where they're intangible factors as well you know learning discipline teamwork hard work you know doing all those things that athletes go through on a daily basis how to compete all these things carry over into into everyday life for women. You know, uh, whenever they get done playing football or when they go to school, whatever it is. So, in terms of development uh, as a whole, it's something that um, will significantly help as well. So, no, hundred percent, man. We definitely need to brush up in that sector. And when you think about it, man, ultimately, even just all sports around, when you look at, historically speaking, apart from men's football, when you look at the Olympics, the women are the ones always coming back with, or at least giving us the best chance at medals. And even from time immemorial, we, we think about the days of Mary Onyali and mm -hmm. that set, and then all the way to Chioma Jumwa, you know, and winning the gold medal in, 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 the, in the Olympics. You know, and, and if you look at it, it's all even in the last Olympics of our first medal, Esse Brume, you know, won that she went bronze or silver in the last Olympics. We were almost yeah. looking like we weren't going to win anything, if not for, if not for. And, so and, and we and we had a woman win a bronze in wrestling from Bielsa. Right. So, so the truth is, 
we really do need to invest more in our women because I think, although just like in, you know, football is king in Nigeria, and if you look at the way Pinnock has actually run football in the country, he's almost exclusively put all his eggs in the Super Eagles basket to the detriment of the under 23, the under 20. The under 17 almost. They they don't they look like a complete shadow of what we know those teams are because everything is about the Super Eagles. You're not gonna be mad at it. This World Cup qualification series that we're going through, do you know what the payoff is? The difference between who sits at home and who goes is twelve million dollars minimum. So perhaps you can understand why. But at the same time, there's prestige and honor to be derived from investing in our women, which I think we need to do we need to we need to push for our society to do that a little bit more because i i can see us being dominant and especially now and when it comes to football where we start bringing people that, are, that have been trained in the united states so they have the the best uh of the training and nutrition and and uh, you know basically all that and we can take advantage of it so it's up to yeah, us i think that they're, they're, it's, it exactly it's up to us it's, it's up to the powers that be to really make a dedication and create a plan for how they want to um, sustain and develop women's football at the grassroots level, at the national teams level for different age groups, even, you know, in the, at the federal level, you know, there needs to be a center for female soccer in Nigeria. You know, if it's in Abuja or wherever it is, they need, they need to have a facility. They need to really, really make an investment into that and then try to create a program across nationwide um, that really boosted. And if they do that, they don't even need to make it fancy. They just need to do the bare minimum. I kid you not. And if they do that, I guarantee you will beat a lot of these teams on the international stage that, um, you know, that, that, that give us trouble. So yeah, man, we'll see what happens. Hopefully one of us become NFF president. And we can ah, look, 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 look. I, no, I don't need, I don't even mean to place that kind of burden on you because <laughs> And that's that's a whole different cup of tea altogether. But you know what? Honestly, you know, even from the NFF thing these days, I um, I, you know, uh, with Pinnock, a lot of times I'm I pump the brakes on criticizing him. Mm. You know, um, just because I'm like, you know, you know, Nigeria is a weird place, man. You know, if you don't know what he's dealing with from the political side, mm-hmm. you know what I mean when you're NFF president, and you have to go in front of um, the House Committee for Sports to beg for money. Uh, you know, those guys are not going to give it to you for free. They're going to make demands. You know, who knows what he has to give up. Um, so, I, you know, it, 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 it's tough, but I don't know. I'm not giving him a pass, but I'm just, these days, I'm just like, okay, that could have been done better, but I'll reserve judgment. Look, you know, until... at, at this point right now, there's only one thing that will make him pass or fail. And that's whether we qualify for the World Cup or not. All everything else is is just is, is talk. If we if, he could have done everything perfectly up to this moment. If Nigeria does not make it to the World Cup after Tuesday, then his tenure is a failure. Simple as that. If they make it, then all sins are forgiven. And that and that and that in in there lies the problem of how things are done in that climb. Because it, it, it really breaks down to one result. And now you overlook all the transgressions that have happened prior to that. I would say this, though, just it, just from being on the outside observing this week of preparation, which obviously couldn't have started this week, it seems like there's a bigger focus 
than I've ever really seen from the NFF in terms of just there's less noise coming out of camp. You know, um, you don't hear any sidebar conversations about how this went wrong, that went wrong. Everything seems to have just smoothly taken place from um, camping in Abuja to traveling to Kumasi. Although, of course, the issues we had were with the Ghanaian people on their side with the airport and the lack of mm-hmm. a ramp to get our boys to come down and and all, all whatnot. And even the way it was a charter flight and the way they left on the night of the game, you know, it's just smooth. Everything's been smooth so far. So it seems they have a focus. But again, there's something $12 million can kind of have you focus a little more <laughs> on the task at hand because that windfall, you better believe they've already apportioned some of it that's going to enter inside their own pocket. So they know if that, that doesn't come, it hurts them. So, in yeah. any case, yeah. um, yeah, it, it, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be interesting, you know. And that's why I think you know we should definitely do a live session after that game. <laughs> Speaking of the game, now let's 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 transition yeah. from from our Falcons, Falconettes, and Flamingos. Let's talk about the, the the thing that butters our bread, which is our darling Super Eagles. Yeah, what do you make so, of the game? Um, hmm. so watching it live. Mm -hmm. In fact, let me just analyze the game for you from the way I saw it and then give you my opinion the way of what I thought it should be. Ghana is not a good team. They're just not. They're just not not the quality of Ghana that we know, right? And I felt like we never settled into that match in the first half. We started, we we maybe started settling after 35 minutes of playing. And when, when we settled, it was when we created a couple of those chances. One was Aribo's chance. I don't know how he mm-hmm. ended up shooting that ball over the bar when he was there by himself. And then that half chance that Victor Simon had. But I don't think we managed the game well at all. I don't think we managed the game. I, I feel like, I, I, look, I, don't, I think Ghana has the advantage after that first leg. I, I think we're the better team in terms of quality. But I think the advantage is with Ghana right now. And here's why I think so. Because they knew they weren't as good as us. Their, their biggest thing was to to intimidate us with all the antics they were using from releasing the squad list three days before the game. Who does that, by the way, in the 20th, 21st century? And the attention they got from that disgraceful thing they did at the airport, having our guys jump out the airplane like they did, that's just... In this, in today's world, are we still doing that? And then, of course, the CAF only approved forty thousand into that stadium in uh, the Babayara Stadium in Kumasi, where Babayara, Ghana yeah, Babayara hasn't stadium. lost in ever and forever. But you and I both know there were at least 70,000 people, and that stadium wasn't forty thousand. So it was yeah. an intimidating atmosphere. It was very packed. intimidating. It was and packed, some of yeah. our boys just haven't had that experience. They just haven't. I'm looking at that squad. No one on that squad has played against Ghana before. Except no, at really. the under except at the under seventeen level where Kalichi and Achar and them when I remember the very first match of the under seventeen African championships on en route to the two thousand thirteen World Cup was against Ghana where we beat them six one. Right. Yeah. And Kalechi, Isaac's success just really shone like stars in that match. Isaac's success in particular. But they none of them understand. the. No one really knows the rivalry firsthand, you know. And so to their credit, 
I would give him credit for withstanding the barrage and those first initial forays of the Ghanaians. But by the time we got into the game, Ghana was there for the taking. But there were a couple of guys that just played ru- absolute rubbish. Of course, you, you know one player that I talked about the whole game because we were in community, but I'm going to leave him for the end. Moses Simon played one of his worst games I've seen him play in a minute. And he's been played some terrible games with the Super Eagles on the roar. At least he's done his job defensively. But for whatever reason, he couldn't, wouldn't release the ball. He was just – the ball was getting stuck under his feet. He just wasn't playing like the guy that we know he can play because Aguavon allows him to be free. So it was a bad game from him. Um, the midfield was just overrun. We conceded the midfields. It was kind of a bit kind of puzzling why we would do that. Why we'll just play we played a midfield of Kelechi, Aribo, and Bonke. In essence, what we did was we replaced and did he like for like. You can't do that when you when you have a light midfield, when you know Ghana's strength is the midfield, and especially on the road. What it seemed like would have made sense would have been to play a double pivot of defensive midfielders. You know, maybe play Onyeka and Bonke together and Aribo up top and not Kelechi and Achar. Kelechi was minus one in that game. He, In fact, here's the reason why we were getting overrun in the midfield. And I, I, I can't even blame him as much because I think that's an oversight by the coach. You have to understand that the midfield is a place that you have to shore up. And Kelechi could not track back. And but he also looked confused as to what to do going forward. So, like I said, he was minus one. You heard me from the first 10 minutes, like, oh, Kelechi is minus one in this match because his position was the key position where he's being asked to create. But if you think about it, Aribo is not a defensive midfielder. You can never make him that. He he's more of a hybrid, a box to box. He's gonna go, he's gonna venture forward, but if he's not the creative input. Then even his venturing forward, he's still like, eh, should I go or should I not go? Which all you need is a moment indecision in that midfield. And you know, those Ghanaians will come at you. That's they'll, they'll close, that. they'll close, they'll close you down. Yeah. That's their natural strength. I think if you put a Ghanaian next to a Nigerian, we know we have the pace. We know we have the forwards. That's been historically how it's been. The Ghanaians will always have the midfield. And for you to first have conceded that midfield the way we did, I think was the was a little bit naive on the part of Iguavon. And we were lucky that Ghana's quality up top is just absolute trash. It's just it's trash. They are trash. And that's the reason why we didn't get punished for that. Against a better team, we would have gotten punished for that for that mistake we made in the way we set our team up. Tukueze's time as a starter in the Super Eagles seems to come to an end. He's his game just hasn't matured past the level it's just stayed stagnant you know and i know he got injured at the end of last year and so that blunted his development a little because he was coming into form but you know what we don't have time to wait we just and I'm, I'm hearing that he also got picked up an injury so he has a groin so he may not even be available on, on tuesday and i think that might be a blessing in disguise because he he's been absent since afcon he hasn't done anything um now, those were the negatives. Obviously, Kelechi and Anacho, I don't know how he completed 90 minutes. It just doesn't make sense. Positives. I was very scared about two particular players, William Troost Ekong and Olaina, because those guys haven't been playing since they came back from AFCON. Olaina has been on the bench the entire time in Torino ever since he came back from AFCON. 
can't understand it, but that's what it is. Uh, and they were supposed to sell him in the January transfer window. But Torino said no because one, they wanted cover for one of their guys that got in, but they don't play him. He came into that game. In fact, it was him and my second guy I'm going to mention, Balogun. <laughs> Those two guys were the absolute best players on the field for us on that day. Because really, once Balogun saw that the midfield were getting overrun, because Bonke, I'm not going to be mad at him. It's just you can only do what you have or give what you have. And he's not in Diddy. See, again, I think the, the formation we ran, it can work when you have in Diddy because in Diddy is like two lungs. It, it can cover a lot of mistakes on the field that are, you can fight and battle, but you you have a limited guy like Bonquet who his natural instinct is to back pass or it's just, it is what it is. So really, we should have helped him out. Anyways, Balogun started carrying that ball into the midfield. That's really when we started taking a hold of the game. It allowed Aribo to settle. It even allowed Bonquet to settle. And then once, once Balogun started doing that, Aina joined him too. He started making those four rays. We need ball carriers through the middle. We don't have enough. Oh, don't forget, goals. don't forget Zaidu. Zaidu took the ball. Yeah, he had that one chance where it was very curious why Osimhen didn't attack that ball with his head. He he seemed to try to collect it with his foot, and that one fizzled out. But that, even Zaidu, I I rate him up and down. Like on the one hand, he made that that was nice that he did that, but he had too many moments where he was getting. Uh, he was losing concentration, and they were getting the ball behind him, you know, and <sighs> something about Zaidu is just not up to par to me, to me. I feel like I'm happy that he has that pace, but that's it. His technique on the ball is not that good. <laughs> he doesn't deli- doesn't really deliver good crosses. I just don't <sighs> – I'm not convinced about him yet, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's terrible, but <clears throat> I, I can get, we can get more out of him. <clears throat> I would also say one more player that inspired a lot of confidence for me was um, Uzoha. You know, I was kind of also concerned about that because, again, although in the last two games he played a little bit, but even after AFCON, he hadn't been playing in this club in Cyprus. And he looked very composed. In fact, he looked better than Maduka Okoye ever looked in in between the posts during AFCON. So there is going to be a battle there. I think the biggest thing is Maduka plays always. Uzoha doesn't. So when it comes down to camp, you can't. It's hard to pick a goalkeeper that doesn't play. But if Uzoha starts playing, I think he just the African terrain. He's just more used to it than Koya is. And yeah. also, let's not forget he was a star. He was a goalie during the World Cup. He has World Cup experience. So he does. The, the thing I want to mention about Uzoha that impressed me the most is that his kicking. Out of the back has improved tremendously. Tremendously. Oh. He now gets a lot more length out of his kicks. In the past, when he kicked, the ball always seemed to tail and it'll go out of bounds or throw in on our own side or just tail where it just wasn't a ball that people could fight for. But now he's starting, he's might, be, might have gone into that weight room a little bit more and <laughs> worked with like a goalkeeper coach to teach him how to kick. Because that was a weakness in his game that was very yeah. glaring, and he's kind of fixed that. So that's good to see. I also was happy to see um, Ogenekaro come into the game. In fact, I think he's starting, the, he's starting the next match, if you ask me. Um, and also, we got to cap Lukman and Basi. So uh, we now have those guys in our fold. So those are the positives. But Ultimately, I think 0-0, zero, zero, 
was not a good score for us. We should have scored one goal that Simon, again, it just wasn't his day. That was a chance. He lost that chance because his first touch was horrible. Right? Oh, that was a miss. His first touch took him a little wider than he needed to go because Kalechi actually, for all the bad things that Kalechi did. He gave a fantastic pass there. That was a game-winning pass right there. And all Simon had to do was, if you go back and just look at that first touch, that first touch took him outside just a little bit more and then narrowed the angle and then he panicked. But if that ball went to Victor Osimhen, we know the ball would have been been 1-0 Nigeria. I I think that was the best chance of the match. If you really look at all the chances of both teams, he had the, it was a sitter, one on one. One on one, man. I was like, okay, before, well, as soon as he got the ball, I was like, go. Because I didn't think he was going to miss it. I was like, there's no way he misses this. His first touch, first touch. That first touch oh, took him know. wider than he needed to be. And I was in, in games like that. It, those are the margins, man. What do you feel think about like, the penalty? Eh, it was the right call, ultimately, but you know, it was the right call. You can't you can't be angry at the right call, but it's one of those where VAR wasn't I think, there. I think there were calls where the referee let them slide, where they fouled Osiman number of times, and I was like, "What are you doing, man?" I saw them grab his shirt one time, and the ref didn't call it, and I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" You know what the hell are you doing? Plus, our team they need to instruct them a little better that look, you have this guy on the field, he's a finisher, he's making runs. Don't turn a blind eye to his runs. He made so many runs in that game. I swear to you, he would make a run, and they're still holding on to the ball. Moses Simon making a run. Moses Simon in particular, that was the biggest culprit of all that. You have to look for him. You know, it was so frustrating, and 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 I I love the kid, man. I swear to you, he he brings his lunch pail to work every time he steps on that field. Like his work ethic is ridiculous. He fights. As a forward, like he plays with a chip on his shoulder. It doesn't matter who he's playing, where he's playing, you know. And 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 that I think, I know you said you think that they have the upper hand. I, you know, I disagree on that. I think, I think, you know, here's here's what I believe: that stadium, that particular type of game, Ghana, the intensity, the crowd, any other African team loses that game. Yes, yes. Cameroon, um, Egypt. They lose that game. Mm, I don't know. Maybe, I, I, maybe. I, 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 some some I, teams. Look, you're right. I mean, the, I'm not going to argue with you because Egypt lost their six one. But that that Ghanaian yeah. team, that Ghanaian team from four or five years ago is a completely different team that we're looking at here. This Ghanaian team, bruh, dog. This Ghanaian team is, is trash. It, it's no, no, trash. they they are the not trash. as good. The if trash. you were to compare them to old older teams, they're not as good. But here's the thing, though. I, when, bruh, bruh, when you bruh, have when that you kind of home team advantage. When you look at the 10 teams left in the African qualifiers, Ghana is the worst out of all of them. There's only one team that you can look at and say maybe Ghana can compete and say the the maybe better, and it's debatable, and that's DR Congo. And I still think DR Congo is a better team. I watched all five of the games that happened, and I'm telling you, the Ghanaian team is the worst team. Even Mali, as bad as they did, I will pick that Malian team to overcome the Ghanaian team because they have better players, you know, uh, just top to bottom. The Ghanaian team is is the worst out of the 10 teams. We got the best draw. The only caveat is that they are biggest rivals. And when it's a rivalry game, form doesn't really matter. Yeah, they show up to play us, right? I'll give you an example. Did you watch watch college football this year, right? Mm -hmm. You saw Alabama was rolling through teams. And then you saw what happened when they went to play Auburn. Mm-hmm. They almost lost that game. 
right? Mm-hmm. And this was an Auburn team that I think they were like maybe five. They were like maybe they had like almost uh, almost at five hundred, mm-hmm. right? So this is this is and 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 this Ghanaian team with the stakes that were on the line, that stadium, the pressure. That's why they came out at the start of the game, and they came out guns blazing. They I mean, did. They did. I mean, guns blazing. They came out hot. And then we just took the air out of the balloon and calmed them down. And wow. so, you know, uh, you could tell that Gavon went there to say, hey, we're not going to lose this game. Yes. Yeah, I wish we could have scored a goal because here's what I think. And here's why I said I think the Ghanaians have a little bit of the advantage. And this is my reason for that statement. I'm not saying that they're the better team. Of course, on paper, we're going to be the better team. But Ghana knows that they're not the better team. They know that. And so to them, you know, not losing and not not conceding was their number one mission. Why? Because their game plan is going to be the same game plan. They're going to sit back, soak up pressure, and counter us. Because what they're counting on is the pressure is going to be on us. It is, because we didn't score in Ghana. So we have to score. It's like, in order for us to win this tie, we need to score a goal. So we need to win the match. A draw that's not a 0-0 draw sees us knocked out. So the pressure is on us. So we're going to come out trying to score. Well, if we, we draw again, score. we're out. If we draw, if it's one-one, we're out. Home away goal. Well, one-one. Oh, yeah. If it's one-one, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and we show. And in fact, <laughs> when you go back and you look at, the, remember, I told you when we were when Raw was still the coach, I told you I don't think we're going to qualify. And the reason why I said that was based on our home form. We suck at home. A lot of things have changed. A lot of variables have changed at home. We're not playing in any of those bush stadiums anymore. We're playing in an actual really decent stadium in Abuja. It's much bigger. It's more conducive for our game. The grass, the grass is better. Grass is better. Right the stadium yeah. is not small. We, all we've been doing for the last few years is really setting the other teams, the array teams up, playing into their hands, playing in those small pitches in Lagos and in Benin, or those slow grass pitches in Benin. So teams that want to sit back, we're really playing to their strengths because the field is small, counterattacking. You don't need to go far to counterattack, and they can stay compact. So Ghana's going to try that. I'm hoping and that, you know, because of that pitch, that field, that the size of the field, that we're able to expand, be more expansive in our game. And, oh, I don't know. Such that, um, such that, we can score a goal, but if we don't score a goal within the first in the first first hour or first uh, thirty minutes, fans might start getting restless. You know, Ghana's counting on that, and well, they're counting on the counter. They're counting on the fact that they know that we we're capable of conceding goals even at home. All they have to do is score one time. That's all they. That's how they see it. If we score once, and we're then we have a chance to win. They have more confidence now. If we had scored one goal in Ghana, say we beat them 1-0, it was 1-1. It's a better – in fact, that suits us better because now there's no pressure on us. All we have to do is just come out and just be the better team on the day. You understand? And mm-hmm. even it's 0-0, we still qualify. But now yeah. the fact that we have to win and we have to score, that puts pressure on us, and it's – they don't have to do anything but sit back and let us do the playing, and they do the countering. The more dangerous – as a counter team, as a team, or rather than as a team that wants to have the front foot. And again, that score plays into that strategy. This is why I say I think they have the advantage. Hmm. Very interesting to see. I think um, <clears throat> I think if we put it forward our best attacking threats, 
they can sit back all they want. You won't be able to stop. They're not disciplined enough on that team. You know, I mean, if you watch them, I mean, I mean, it might be unfair that I'm comparing games they played in AFCON and seeing how solid and technical and tactical their, their defense is, but they're just not. I'm sorry. You know, you look at you look at the guys and you know, and like you said, our guys played like crap. If not, those defenders, they shouldn't even have a time of day. You could tell they were anytime OC man touched the ball, three or four guys jumped on him. There were minimum you know two mean? guys on him. Yeah. Minimum, so, minimum. So you know that, like, okay, this guy is not going to beat us. But here's the, here's the thing that Eguavon can do to fix that. You could start a Demola Lukuman over Chukweze. Chukweze is not going to play anyways. Yeah. You could bring in you, these are guys that not only are they good in the wings, they, they can score goals. Mm-hmm. So if you like double OC men all you want, those are the guys who score. And those are the kind of guys you need to bring into this game. Um, Emmanuel Dennis. Ah, that boy yeah. needs to play from the start. In he, fact, he needs to start, Russ, man. Russ. Like it's not it's not even, you know, the, you have guys in form right now. Right now. Goal scorers. And you need goals. I think you need goals. I think you know um I think this is how we have to play this match. If if I had to give my formation, there's two different formations. The thing is, that it's just that Ghana is, we have to be aware of that midfield. For one, no matter what the formation is, I think we need to play. I think Bonke might be injured. He might have had a groin also. But Tebo, he's starting. Onyeka is starting next to him. And Aribo is the third midfielder. Aribo to, gets to, to, to give through. a lot more freedom to him to do what he does in Rangers. I think Kalechi needs to sit on the bench for this match. Yeah, so those three, they, they're in there. Now, the, the decision we have to make is whether we want to go with a back three or a back four. So that if we go with a back three, then we bring in, we draft in either Omero, I don't know if YZM is available, but Omero to pair up with the Ibo wall. And then on the outside, obviously, be Aina and um, Zaidu. Zaidu. Right? So now that's our five, three, that's eight. So we need two more. I think we need to put Osimen and Dennis. Or even, or I think Osimen and Dennis; those are the two that need to start. That's or it, we man. could put up Demola Lukman as that other um, wing. I don't know if we want to do it, but I don't think Demola Lukman Look. should play wing back. That's that's not a position. No, 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 that's no, not. No, that's no, not. No. Or even Igalo and Osimen. Is Igalo was Igalo there? Yeah, Igalo's there now, but he was on the bench. Even Igalo, and as much as I, I talk bad about Igalo, this is a match that his experience might actually come to fore, especially the physicality of Amate and the other Ghanaian um, defense, the uh, center back they have. Let Igalo be the one taking all the beating that Osimen was taking. And then let Osimen be the because what we need is we need, if we're going to play two forwards, we can't play Kelechi and, uh, and Osimen together because then Osimen is up front occupying those two center backs. But the second striker has to be someone that hustles and bustles. And it's just not Kelechi's game. For in as much, Kelechi needs time on the ball to collect it, trap it, turn, then deliver with his wonderful left foot if there's something. But Ghana is not going to give you that time. They're going to harry and harass the, sh- you know, living bejesus out of you. And, you know, Kelechi, this match is, Kelechi should come in as a sub in this match in the last yeah, yeah, 15, 20, he, he 20 minutes but, like he does know, in Leicester. <laughs> But the fact that he actually played 90 minutes, because when, when they were making the change, I, I thought, I was like, okay, yeah, they're taking him out. But they didn't. I was shocked. I was shocked. And, and that tells you something. It tells you, you know, the way to draw and one chance. 
But even on defense, right? Even if you're playing for draw, KDC is not going to hustle. Well, so that's the thing. He wasn't there to hustle. You saw, you, to you saw that. You saw that one ball where they went all the way into our half, and Dennis ran all the way back, and he, he that that's what he does. You know, so you know, and that was effort. He didn't have, you know, he's a forward. He went all the way back to make the, that header. The, the other formation I was thinking, this one is might be a little riskier with the Ghanaian uh dominance in midfield, especially knowing fully well they're gonna pack the midfield. It's gonna be four five one. There's no that's what they're gonna play. I think we can we don't need to be a soothsayer to understand that that's the formation they're gonna come out with. Right? Um is the four four two formation. Four four two is not a great formation. When going up against four or five running, because you just get overrun in the midfield. midfield but if yes. we, if our guys can play to instruction, for one, Chukweze needs to be just left out of this this time. Not if he's sure. okay to play, maybe come in in the end to run at the guys. But really, this is where Demo Lukman can come in. We play Lukman on the right as a as a right winger. Um, maybe Simon or Dennis on the left, right, and then Igalo and then this is where we Igalo and uh and um. Osiman or Dennis and Osiman with Simon, and then obviously Bonquet and the, the only thing about that formation is just I think, our best guys yeah. that we know. I'm not necessarily. I'm looking. I'm thinking we're. Gonna I think. End I up think. With... I think you. I think you play Osiman and uh, Dennis. And if 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 you need a goal towards the end, you bring in Igalo when the defenders are a little tired, and he could use his experience to find the back of the net. I think, you know, on the wings, Simon and Ademola Lukman. You know, and like you said, Aribo to roam free. And you have Onyeka, Onyeka and um, Ogenakaru. Yeah, at the back, at the, at the two holding. And we play. And I guarantee you, you know, Ogenakaru, you know, he has a chip on his shoulder. You saw how he came into that game. <laughs> ah, he was on fire. The only thing fire, is his, pass, his passing is still slack. But you know what? Nah, I wasn't mad at Defensive duties, man. Defensive duties, strictly. I wasn't mad at the effort. And, and even even the penalty, it was him and Kalechi that harried that defender to win that ball. You yeah. know? And and, it, and then Onyeka, we, and that's the other We had a chance to win that game at the end when Onyeka did that. I mean, even him, he himself doesn't understand how he dummied those two Ghanaian defenders. <laughs> but he had the ball. All he had to do was just lay it off to Dennis, and Dennis was going to shoot it into the oh, net. Dennis I don't have, know. Dennis would have, have buried it. Yeah, I don't know what he was. But that's that's you not know. a familiar position for him. Like I said, we don't have ball playing or ball carrying. What happened uh, to Wobi? Is Wobi hurt? Wobi got the red card against Tunisia. So oh, yeah. So he can't play. Yes. So we truly miss him. Yes, because that's the that's the that's the only guy that's that, that can guy actually that carry the ball. Yes, Kelechi is playing his position like that position that Kelechi played would have been Iwobi's position unless yeah, they played yeah, him out on the right yeah, wing. Which yeah, yeah. at this point, I, I'll even I'll even prefer him to Chukweze. Chukweze, man, I'm disappointed in his in the. No, here's the thing about Chukweze. Ever since he came back from injury, he hasn't been the same guy. You know, he that edge that he had. Well, he could just—he doesn't—he didn't care, you know. I don't even think he starts with Villarreal right now, does he? No. So he shares time with Jeremy Pino. So basically, it's—it's it's a split down, right down the middle. If if Chukwueze starts this match, he'll play about sixty to seventy minutes. Pino will come play the rest, and Pino will start the next match, and Chukwueze will come play the. It's—it's it's almost been like that for about the last 10, 15 yeah. games, whether it's Champions League or. Uh, domestic games, it's it just remains the same. I would say, it does look like 
uh, Nye Emery kind of slightly prefers Chukwueze to Pino, but you can't ignore Jeremy Pino, man. That boy, he. I'm, every time I see the result, I'm like, man, Chukwueze needs to get out of it because that boy, he's coming. He's 19. He's he's already had like caps for Spain. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and dominated. Yeah, so yeah, that guy, his end product is way better than Samuel. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. And that, and that. That makes a huge difference. Like end of the end of the day, you need guys who can put the ball in the back of the net. That's what it comes down to. Like you know, you know, all the other stuff is, and that's why you know that game. You, Dennis needs to be on that field. <laughs> you know, because the thing about Dennis is he'll try stuff. He'll he'll try stuff that you least expect him to try. Yes. You know, when he gets the ball in your half. So, you know, that's the thing about him, and um. And he'll take that pressure off Osimhen, that they'll have this other guy they need to worry about as well. So I think, you know, that's the thing. I think honestly, look, I believe we're going there with the right belief and effort. We'll beat them. I, I believe we'll so because we're better we'll than them. them. But yeah, there's yeah, also we'll always, again, if it were if we were playing against Congo or Mali, you know, yes, uh, but it's Ghana, and you know that Ghana they will pl- they will they will break their last bone to make sure they don't lose to Nigeria, no matter yeah. what the quality they have. Yeah. And honestly, I think we we should consider ourselves fortunate that we left that game without losing because we didn't we didn't put ourselves in the best position to succeed. I mean, that's another thing. Iguavon he has some questions to answer. Why are you coming out with a four-two-four formation on the road in in a hostile environment with guys that haven't really, really, truly experienced that sort of atmosphere before? We got away with one because if you watch the in the first thirty minutes, we were just overran in the midfield, you know. So I'm hoping Iguavon. So the thing about Iguavon is that it's been four, five games now, and all mm-hmm. five games has been the same same thing. It hasn't changed. You know, it's like, oh, let's do wing play. Let's do wing play. Let's let's shoot. Yeah, that wing play thing, like, yo. Great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you you have to be able to information to what the situation is at hand. And so far, give him some credit. He did make some changes in the second half. Like, bring it. But I think some of those were enforcing it because I think Bonke got hurt. That's why he brought in Organicaro. But remember when he brought in Onyeka, I think he replaced – Aribo with Onyeka. I forget yeah. where he played, but yeah, it took out, I think I, it took out Aribo. And I immediately mentioned, oh, he's playing for a draw. Yeah. Maybe it will, it'll turn out to be a good thing. But, you know, we need to score. We need to score, and we need to not give up goals. And if I had to predict, so I don't know, maybe we've analyzed this match already, but if I had to predict, I've been seeing 2-1. That's the score I've been seeing, 2-1 Nigeria, 2-1 Nigeria. So here's what I think, though. I think if we score... And Ghana has to come out to try to equalize in Abuja. They're in trouble. You know what I mean? I think if we score first and they they now have to come out to equalize, and while doing that, we're going to catch him. We're going to catch him and we're going to score again. I, pro- I can almost, listen, I can almost promise you because yeah. and I was watching the Ghanaian team. I mean, Jordan Ayu was really trying to put us to the sword, wasn't he? That guy, that guy has no quality. <laughs> hey, Jordan Ayu, he was, he was, he was doing every you boy. He was giving his all. He was giving. You know, I've watched, I've watched, yeah, I've watched Jordan Ayu play times without end for Crystal Ballas, right? 
he doesn't he doesn't give that kind of effort. Not even close. Like he gave everything. He did. You could tell. He did. The other guy, the other guy that tried is uh, Aqua. What's his name? The the guy I was been the young hyping. boy. This, I've been hyping him up. The the one yeah, the that he's shown. No, no, not not uh, Afina. Uh, what is name? Uh, Afina. That's his yeah. first name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the other guy. Um, he's the. He had, a, sh- he had a shot on goal that was Aqua. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I need to remember his name, man. About. But that boy, I've been hyping him up since um the on the twenty tournament last year, when. Fatal, that boy, he gave us some problems. He gave us some problems, but he's he's only he's young, man. He was only like sixteen when he played on the twenty tournaments. I think it's like eighteen or nineteen now. But he's a young team. He's not experienced enough yet. But watch out for that guy. They have some good players. Not gonna. They have quality if they're here at this point. You know, there's some pedigree there. I'm not gonna like sit here and act like they don't have any quality. Just the truth is. When, it, when you put them man for man with the Nigerian team, more maybe except for Partey, really, that's the only name that you'll say stands above any of our players. And maybe I'll take Amate over Trus Ekong. But Amate himself is full of disaster <laughs> if he wants it at Leicester. But he's gotten yeah. better. He has gotten better over he's the season. Quite, very, very questionable at Leicester. Yes. But that's why I think, you know, we have the kind of quality players that could make them pay. You know, we just need to get it together, man. I, I, you could tell watching us that we played well to a certain degree. Let me put it that way. But in terms of trying to create chances, we didn't create a lot of chances. Like when guys get the ball and how to place the ball in the right places, who to look for, what runs to look for, those sort of things, we don't do that too well. We get the ball, we try to push it to the wings, and our wingers try to go take on people. To create, that's what you saw. That's what you saw. That's what you saw against Tunisia, and that's why it was easy to shut us down because what they were doing was they would double team the winger. As soon as you get the ball to the wings, they would just double team Ajala and try to shut down whatever he could do. Right. So, you know, once they did that, our offense got blunted. So, if you look at it from that from that standpoint, if Ghana is able to shut down our wingers from, and that same thing happened in this game. That's why I say Ajala, you were saying Ajala looked like he couldn't get it. It's because every time he got the ball, they were on him. And what he typically does, they were like, no, nah, you're not going to do that. He held on to it. He just didn't have a good game. He held on to the ball too yeah, long. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember so, like in the first five minutes, or first within the first five minutes, there was a time he got the ball. And Victor was screaming with plenty of space. You don't even have to look. That's one of those. As soon as the ball just comes to your feet, you just kick it yeah, as far it, man. Release it's basic. It. And Victor, Victor in space, let him go do what he does. He held the ball, lost the ball. Another time he had the ball, he had dribbled through two guys already. He was in the middle of the field. He was looking straight on. Okay, it's time to release. In football, there's, there's a clock in your head. You dribble one, dribble two. At some you point, you know, okay, just, 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 just release somebody. Instead, yeah, he got it, run. held it back, tried to beat another man, lost the ball again. And then and that's, all uh, yeah. That's why that's why I think, honestly, I think Dennis in Hernacho's role and Ademola Lukman, those guys will recognize runs. They will. We need to be more direct. We don't yes. have time. Look, look, their strength is the midfield. Our strength is our striking our striking force. Just be direct. Bypass, yes. just be direct. I don't care if you look at this game, there's not about style points, it's about winning mm. the, if you need to pump in long balls. 
pumping long balls. You have to know when to do it. A lot of times you try to see them take the ball, take people on. No. The ball comes as soon as, before the ball gets to you, you could see Osimhen making the run or you know where he's possibly going to be. Hit the ball one time. You know, feed him quickly. Don't waste time. Like that, that, that flow of the game in the final third, it wasn't there. It wasn't there for us. We were playing Ghana's game because that's what Ghana was doing, right? The Dijian boy wanted to take on our defenders every chance he got. You know, one time Jinian caught the ball back in, had that nice shot. That was a really sweet move from him. You know, Ozo saved it. You know, the other time he took the ball in, laid it back on for the guy you were talking about. He took a shot. Ozo saved it as well. You know, so Ghana was really playing that physical game. If you watch them, right? They didn't have that same thing as well. You know, uh, Jordan Ayew just trying to go down the wings, take people on. That's all he was doing all game. But he has Jordan to be Ayu, more than Jordan Ayew sucks. Yeah, man. He <laughs> <laughs> sucks. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, bro. Um, bro. Let's see. I mean, I mean, let me remember this guy's name. Uh, Afina Jean, that's his name. And then Ishaku. Yeah. Um, Felix Afina Jean. And Fatawu Ishaku. I like that kid. I really like him. Yeah. Ishaku is Anyways, the one I had to shut on goal. What's your prediction for the match? I think we beat him. Um, Final score. My, produ- my prediction is about, um, I think 2-0. Okay, I don't you think say 2-0. Call. I say 2-1. I'm just trying to give him give him some 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 respect. Yeah. At least let our Canadian... Let our Ghanaian brothers get a spoon of jollof you know, on their way to the party. You yeah. don't want you that, don't that want to have to guess. <laughs> that 2-0, I'm being I'm being generous because I think if we score first against this Ghana team, mm-hmm. they will crumble. I promise you. In Abuja, they will it's a young team. They haven't been in this position before. You know, we have a we we have a team that once they get that little flicker of confidence, our mm-hmm. team they become ruthless. Oh yeah, we will become ruthless, and and I think, I think so. if I think we so score, too. if we score, this Ghanaian team they'll start trying to find ways to get their head out. They'll they'll immediately try to react by pushing up, and might be one of the biggest mistakes they can make. Because I actually that, think scoring early is good, but you know in football it's sometimes better to score later than early. Because early now you start playing the game of oh let me now sit back. For the rest of the game, something's just human nature, you know, and that's a dangerous thing because one zero is not is not a good score because all it takes no. is one goal from them and you're out. We're in trouble. So, anyways, man, I, I think we both agree that again. I'm I'm basing it off the fact that we're just a better team, uh, mm-hmm. pedigree wise, six World Cups compared to their I think what they've been three World Cups, uh, if I if I recall correctly, maybe yeah three World Cups. That's all they've been to, and we've been to six. We're trying to go to the seventh. And that will that will, the seventh will tie Cameroon for the most. Yeah. And the way things are looking, Cameroon. Cameroon ain't going. They're not the going. The way they're looking. So actually, we can I, talk I, about I, the other games. Look, Cameroon's not going. I watched that game. Look, it's it, it's, and I and it frustrated the piss out of me watching it, man. Look, because because here's the thing. First of all, they fire that guy. You know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big advocate for. Um, hiring African coaches mm-hmm. or any European coach. And that's just the truth. Just because I think, you know, you, how, how are you going to develop your football and your coaches if you're not giving your guys a chance? But let's, let's be honest. The guy that took you to the third place game in the AFCON where you guys were playing, you know, better football. More better than I've seen football. them play. Recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Not, I mean, he wasn't, but you guys were playing more disciplined football. They got rid of him. And who do I see on the stand? Rigobert Song. <laughs> you know, and, and I, no knock on Rigobert Song. You know, he was over there wearing some kind of funny looking suit. You know, no no knock on him, but yo, come on, man. The, the suit I doesn't walked, have the coat, I, I, apparently. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> and then, and then oh. I watched the game. And all they were trying to do the whole game was out physical, out muscle, out run, and I'm like, there you go. Back yeah, to they, they, they were they were lacking in quality. And even the oh, commentator man. was saying um, it was very damning. The white commentator was saying, the, I don't know if it's what the European sounding commentator was saying that um, you know the fact that they conceded the goal is a tough situation. But he doesn't believe that Rigobert Song has enough experience to turn this around from where they're at. And, and, and I'm not saying Rigobert is not worthy of being the head coach. Far from that. It's just that I think I, I messaged you prior and I was saying it's odd to see. The truth is you have this important qualifier coming up. The coach you had didn't do bad. Now, of course, you're the host country. You want to win it, everybody. But look, Cameroon played better than I've seen them play in a long time. You know, like they're attacking football. They was to me. I think Cameroonian players are crude on the ball. It just the ball and them don't seem like they like each other. It just seems like it's a physical battle. It's just yeah, I, I know what they you mean. It's not, to, it's not. It's not fluid. It's not smooth. But hey, you know whatever smooth, works. Yeah. There's many, there are many ways yeah. to get the job done. So in as much as it's not my preferred manner of watching the game, but if you look at it, they were the highest scoring team. It was it was goals of plenty. That third place match against Gabon when they were down three zero and then they brought in their their key players and they turned it around. In the whole days, man, that wasn't happening, you know. So this team had something going with that coach. Samuel Eto'o was a little misguided there. If he was going to fire that coach, at least wait till this thing was over, because really the wait, best wait, chance. Samuel, Samuel Eto'o made the decision. He's the he's the um. He's the head of the FA. Is the uh, yeah, is the FA president, man. So he made the decision oh, because man. he's all about African coaches. So in fact, speaking since you didn't know that. He got hired. He got. He won the the election last year, in the middle of the year. His first job. I must have missed that. Yeah. On the first on his first day of the job, he shows up to work on time, like early, and waits at the gate. And he locked the gate at seven a.m. Whatever time that people are supposed to show up. So if you showed up after that, you were fired on the spot. <laughs> so that was the beginning of his tenure, and you know, of course, in Africa, that's like people were like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Some people were supporting him, like, yes, we need to come clean things up and settle things. Others were like, that's what he, that's wanna, what he started doing. You don't want to start building enemies from day one. But he's Samuel Eto, so I don't think it matters as yeah, much. He took he should have given them a warning. He took yeah. a radical approach on day one. But but you know, here's the thing. So yeah, he was wrong on finding that guy. Look, here's they're not gonna make it to the World Cup because they're playing Algeria. And if you they're playing Algeria game, in Blida, in Bilda in a place yeah. they haven't lost in eighty years, eighty yeah. years they haven't lost in that stadium. Yeah, yeah they're not. So, Algeria, Algeria's going to yeah. beat them on the road as well. And, and you know, come out... in, in the in this in the qualifying. Sorry to cut you off, man. The qualifying series, yeah. apart from our match, that to me was the most interesting match uh, matchup because obviously Senegal and Egypt, obviously for obvious reasons. But for me personally, I really wanted to see because Algeria. They had a disappointing AFCON, without a doubt. They just looked 
very feeble. And they were one, terrible. They were one, terrible, yeah. one must say eh, they're better than what they showed. We know that. Yeah. But I think some of it had to do with the heat. I think they just also I think they just looked at it like man, we've already won AFCON. We just finished winning the um Asian, I'm sorry, the Arab Cup, you know. Eh, okay. Eh. You know what? This is too hot. We're not even gonna bother ourselves. We have a World Cup. The, the World Cup is more important to them than Afcon. I truly believe that's what the, mentally that's how they looked at it. So I was really interested to see how they bounce back. My brother, their quality oh. The quality, oh, yeah, good. the way the teams. way they like absorb Cameroon and Cameroon didn't really create didn't didn't threaten that whole match. And they they had they had close to seventy percent possession, and they they barely threatened the first half. Matter of fact, after the first half, I stopped watching it because I was like, "There's no way these guys are going to score." I'm serious. After the first half, Cameroon had maybe one chance. These guys, every time Algeria touched the ball, and they sat back, they looked dangerous. Like they were going to score. And the one goal they scored was a set piece, crossed the ball in. Suleimani went up above Suleimani. all the Cameroonians. Yep. Beautiful header. Can't take anything yeah. away from that header. The ben, cross ben, is even better. Benzebani, that boy, played very well. Mares wasn't really a, in his top sell, but he was he was pretty good. And just they just played within themselves. Yeah, uh, they, they, and they, they, the defenders just shut out all the Cameroon. The Cameroon didn't do anything. Yeah, they, 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 they didn't. They played the game like we're not going to exert too much energy. We're going to conserve energy. We're going to be very tactical and very disciplined. Cameroon will lose the ball. They will mm-hmm. make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We'll get our opportunity and we'll mm-hmm. score. And if so we you, don't score, we'll draw and they got we'll to come to Algeria. We'll finish, we'll finish it. Yeah. So and they you, did it. And you and I both agree that this one is game, set, match. Algeria no, is going a, to the it's, World it's Cup. It's a wrap. It's, it's okay. a wrap, man. So I, Cameroon about- is not. Although, you know, the funny thing about it is Lions. <laughs> they can win 2-1, just they somehow. Will shock you. They will shock you. Well, that's you the beauty, that's that's the the beauty them, of this, this matchup now where it's yeah. the best teams. It's the best teams playing. So this top-notch quality best teams playing in each terms other, yeah. of African football. Egypt versus Senegal. How, what did you did you get? A, it was. I'll be honest. That match was running concurrent to the Super Eagles match. So although I had an eye on it, it was on the side. I, I, I didn't really an, give it as much attention. But what I did see yeah. was that Senegal actually dominated Egypt in that match. Just couldn't. I put saw the ball behind the back of the net. Exactly. I saw an extended highlight. Um, Egypt didn't look impressive, considering that they were playing at home too. They didn't look impressive. Senegal looked like a better team. Um. I'm guessing they got lucky on their goal. Yeah, yeah, they got lucky on the goal. It's a bounce. It, Salah, beautiful turn, did his thing, bounced out the defender, and went in. Um, I'm, I'm guessing they're playing in Dakar. Uh, look, if they keep their wits about them, Senegal will qualify. Yeah, if, I, it's, if, it's if they, if they, yeah, if they keep their wits, if they go in and say, "Hey, let's play football and do our thing," they will beat Egypt at home. Yeah, but it's a dangerous situation because of that away goal. Because Senegal can win two one and still be knocked out. And by the way, we need to get rid of the if if UEFA is done with away with Senegal wins one zero. Now they're even, right? And but I don't see Senegal beating them by more than one goal. That's just the thing. I just don't. And really, the more likely result is like a one goal score, but where both teams score. That's. I see 2-1 as a score also, which will have Egypt go. It is – that away goal thing matters. When you don't concede at home, the advantage is yours because you don't – you just go play football. 
in the next leg. That's all you got to go do. You know, I, I think, because here's the thing. If you look at the game, the final of the AFCON, Senegal better team. You look at the game in Egypt. But couldn't score. But couldn't score. They struggled, yeah. Senegal the better team in Egypt, right? But considered couldn't score. But couldn't score. At home. It's oh a different ball game, man. Like that home how many advantage, how many goals do you, you see it's a home real thing. advantage given them? That's the thing. You couldn't score an Afghan when you were the better team on neutral ground. You couldn't score when you were by far the better team, even on their home ground, and you gave up a goal. So you need you I don't see Senegal's not two goals better than Egypt. They're just not, in my opinion. The, 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 I, I They're think not. just They're I just not. think I think I think tactically the Egyptians just defend. Exactly. That's solid. that's the but, but 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 here's the thing. I think playing in Dakar, I could see Senegal scoring two goals. I'm telling you, man. You see, maybe, I, maybe. T- because because pressure dynamics, World Cup qualification pressures on them. You're right. World Cup qualification at home, playing a team they've played twice, they've beaten once, confidently. They knew they could. They just couldn't find the back of the net in Egypt. They could go in there. I'm telling you, and and Egypt, Egypt, Egypt. The pre- depending if they create the kind of environment. That we experienced in Ghana, mm-hmm. in Dakar, mm-hmm. that could have a huge impact. Yeah, the but they don't—they don't have that same. I don't know that they have that same. But we'll wait to see. Me personally, I'm thinking Egypt has shaded this because they didn't concede at home, and that's just the biggest thing. And I think Senegal gave it everything and still couldn't breach the Egyptian defense. Where I think it was really important for them to not lose that game in Egypt. More importantly, it was important for them to score. Because Egypt set up, this is right into they fall, this against like Ghana against us. This is right into their hands, but they're much better than Ghana playing that game. In fact, this is their game. Just defend and play. At worst, they'll concede a goal and they'll go to penalties. But really, I see but, this as a one-one game in 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 Dakar or two-one at the best. And I don't see I see Egypt going through just because of the first leg. I I believe Senegal is a better team overall. But I think that not scoring in Egypt is going to come back and haunt them. And just as a, no. a tidbit, do you know Egypt has never won a game in the World Cup? Yeah. Fact. In all these that's years. Why, that's, that's why I don't want them to go. Yeah, they don't represent very well. Because most North, North African teams don't represent very well. Well, they'll Morocco go, go did to, in 86. They did Egypt, lost to Saudi, Egypt lost to Saudi Arabia in the last World Cup. Algeria did well in 82, 86, and in 2014. So Algeria has had pretty good performances. But yeah, you're right. Tunisia, I can't stand them, man. They're the boringest of all let me the tell teams. You, they look, when they go to the World Cup, you know, sub Saharan African countries look mm-hmm. way better than they do in World Cups. Yeah. Overall, when you, when you talk about teams like Ghana, Nigeria, Senegal, way better. I mean, they go to World Cup teams like Tunisia, Morocco, you're like, who are you? Speaking like, who of the Tunisia, hell are you guys? they they literally yeah. got given. I mean, Tunisia's in. We both agree that first leg, Tunisia Mali. Yeah. You could just see Mali's inexperience at this stage. You know, this is this is like a step too far for them almost. And if you look at the guys, if you kind of look at the players individually, one would think a Malian should be ready for this kind of because these are guys that are playing the top flight in France and in England. In, in in Spain, we're talking about guys that could play for France. Some of them, even what's his name, Abdoulaye Ducore, that plays at Everton. I like that. Mm-hmm. I've always liked that guy. He plays with a will be solid. He, he's Basuma. He's Basuma was out there, yeah, and, and those guys. And, but they had team, one guy that just had a horror show 
on that day. I don't know if you got a chance to actually see the match. This gentleman, man, the defender, plays hey, a back pass to his goalkeeper, overhits the back pass. First of all, I don't know why the goalkeeper was standing where he was standing. And it was comedy, man. He said the goalkeeper run in to try to save the ball, but it scores an own goal. So Tunisia didn't even do anything in that match. Tunisia <laughs> did nothing. And Mali, they just let Mali do win the game for them. And then, worst of all, five minutes later, the Tunisians are off on a breakaway. And just to, just to like, sort of encapsulate the kind of night this gentleman had, um, he fouls. He fouls the Tunisian, but he doesn't even really – it's like a weak attempt to at foul. Like, if you're going to get a record, at least get a good foul. He literally just only, like, brushes against him, and the guy falls down, and the ref has no option but to send him off. And pretty much once he got sent off, it was pretty much game over at that point. Mali still created the better chances after that, surprisingly, even with 10 men and about 60 minutes of the ball to play. They still had the yeah. better of the chances, but I feel like that's game, set, match, because I just sort of think – I don't think Mali has the experience and the know-how to overcome this situation. Unfortunately, in as much as we don't like the way Tunisia plays on the world stage, they have more of the experience in seeing these kind of games through, especially at home. You know, those North yeah, I mean, and again, this is African football, bro. You know, now, now Mali coming back, I doubt it. If I was to bet, I wouldn't bet on Mali. But African football is weird, man. I mean, when, when, when was it? Um... Like, and I, I say it's weird, particularly not in Mali's case. I don't see Mali having the grit to do that, though. Um, like the, the Cameroon case, it will shock you. Cameroon to go to <laughs> Cameroon. <laughs> you remember when they beat Italy in the 1990 World Cup? And then they beat, um, who else did they beat? They Columbia. beat someone else. Colombia. They, they do these things sometimes when you're like, this team is garbage. There's no way. They'll just go out there and beat a team out of nowhere. Cameroon is weird like that. Really unpredictable and weird. I think um, it's that now, physicality of their game that they always have. Yeah, they, wear yeah, you they, down. they do this thing, you know, and once they get once they get some confidence, they're hard to stop. Um, the, the Mali case, that's just an experience, man. And again, a lot of these teams, you look at a team like Mali, all their players play for teams in Europe, right? So these guys are exposed to football at the level. But when you bring them together as a team, the coach who could bring Mali together and make them play as a disciplined tactical unit, they will have a team on their hands. The reason why they struggle, and most of these teams are the same. Cameroon is the same way. You know, I was watching uh, Chupamoting and all these guys. I was like, these guys are solid. I watch them every weekend. These are players. But they play under systems where they've been created an opportunity for where they could flourish. And the Cameroonian team, they're just individuals trying to showcase their skills and maybe find the back of the and net. And you, you just hit the nail on the head with that, man. And that's usually what I see with them playing. is like very disjointed play and doesn't look anything. Anyway, the last match, the last one is the Morocco versus DR Congo. Yeah. I don't know if you – that was the early game. That game started at um, my time, 8 a.m. And um, it started out – first thing, one thing I have to say, man, the Congolese fans, man – they know how to party. <laughs> like the yeah. atmosphere. What was it? The was, it was it in Kinshasa? It definitely was. And the atmosphere yeah. in the stadium is second to none. I think, oh, you know, a lot of. I don't know if you remember, if you recall back in the 94 qualification <laughs> series. So in that 94 qualification series, the way Africa went, we had. um, I think it was. um, oh, I'm trying to remember. It was Uganda. 
Congo and Nigeria grouped in one group, and the team from there win, and then you go into the second group, and then we end up playing against Algeria and Ivory Coast for the final, and the team that won. So we had to play Congo in them, and we played them in their place. And first of all, they took us to some field that looked like even cows wouldn't even want to be running around there. And Yakini scored this amazing shot from like almost half field that I don't even know how it beat the goalkeeper. We beat them 1-0, but then they attacked us. I don't know if you remember that. They attacked the Super Eagle players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like the Eagle players were like, we were fearing for a lot. Anyway, that's the kind of atmosphere that they had back then. And then <laughs> even in that era, that those times, their club teams used to always battle against our club teams like Iwanyamu Nationale. Mm. We used to always play against um, uh, uh, Nkana Red, Red Devils. Or yeah. in those teams back in those days. Anyway, I just remember. The, but back then, they, the atmosphere, they turned it up. A lot of these African countries have learned from us, our supporters club, the atmosphere. And they've actually, like, I think they've, I think atmosphere in the Nigerian stadiums have sucked of recent. I think all these other countries have surpassed us in their fans' atmosphere. We used to be the ones that set the pace. But, you know, the problem, and that's a that's actually a whole new podcast, the NFF support, the Nigerian Football Supporters Club politics and troubles. You know, there's like three different factions right now. Really, three different. Maybe, factions. maybe, maybe, maybe we need to get someone from the supporters. And club and on. in inside the stadium, all three different mm -hmm. factions are singing different songs. Ahmed Musa had to come up and say, "Look, you guys need to figure this shit out because you guys are not helping us out. We rely on you guys and the unity you have over the years to like boost us. But when we're hearing different songs going on at the same time, even now, well, 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 one point, one point about one point about that though. Of course, Musa will notice that because he's on the bench, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different topic for different. If you're playing, but... if you're playing, there's no way you hear all that shit. No, nah, you it's hear like, it though. No, 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 no. The, nah, play, the players, nah, the players hear it, bro. No, 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 no. I completely disagree with you. The players, they hear it. <laughs> They, they know what's going on in the stands. They hear it, especially at home or even especially when you're in hostile situations. And you you heard Supporters Club in Kumasi. I can hear them. They only yeah. allowed Ghana only gave them 2,000 tickets to Nigerians. They said only you guys only get. But of course, you know, there's way more than 2,000 Nigerians in that stadium. Yeah, there are people but, that live there. Yeah. But but that's why they wanted to move the game from Accra to Kumasi, by the way, because they knew in Accra we they will have overwhelming. It'll be 50-50 Nigerians in Kumasi. They knew they will have the that was their backyard. That's the one place yeah, where yeah. they know they can control. But anyway, coming back to this Congo um, Morocco game, man. <laughs> Congo came out looking good. They scored the first goal. They they had chances to score the second, and as always happens in football, it was right after a. Guilt edge miss. Morocco took the ball the other end and equalized. And in fact, Morocco actually even missed a penalty in that game. Um, wow. Excuse me. So, in I, do their want minds, I, do, I do want DRC to go, though. Yeah, I, I think Morocco go, Morocco would be a better representation for Africa, though. Just the team that Morocco has, at least the quality of the players, they're... I would love to see DR Congo, but their game is also a little bit disjointed. They're almost like a, a hybrid of Mali and Cameroon. They have skill, but they are some of their players, when they get that ball, it's like there's no love between them and the ball. It's just they're fighting with the ball. It's like physicality. Let's pump them. When you see the cross, they somebody will cross the ball and they'll end up in the corner flag on the other side. <laughs> 
But that's what I'm saying, though. Is like you know, a lot of these guys. That's the issue, man. It's like you just bring in a bunch of mercenaries together, and you're like, okay, it's almost like this. Let me put it like this to you, right? You get, I don't know, a team of mercenaries. Give them guns, and you're like, okay, I want you to go up against a team of Navy SEALs that have been working together and fighting together for the last five years. It'll be a massacre. You know, but but that's what I'm saying. Like you, you see it like a lot of times, especially with these North African teams, right? The reason why they're so successful in Africa is because they just kind of, you know, understand how to play these teams. They're like, fine, give them the ball. All we need is two good corner kicks and two good set plays, and that's it. One free kick in terms we'll, of the Algeria's we'll Cameroon. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll be up for zero, and and you know, I know. We're getting close on time in this session, but I saw Canada qualify today. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and I was I was impressed with what I saw. I saw the game against Costa Rica that they lost on the mm-hmm. road, but they had a red card that match. Yeah, so they that's did why get a red they, card. They, they were, they yeah, were and, and even that game, even with even with the red card, you could tell like they were the better team. Right. Yeah, Canada. And, Canada's come a long way, bro. They've come a long way, and they do have some really good players. I like Larry. I like Buchanan. I mean, they play well on that. They play well when you watch them. You know, they they do the Buchananism. Watch watch out for that kid in the World Cup. One on one, he takes people on. He has pace. He can play on the right or left wing. He's going to give a lot of teams problems. And yeah. the thing about them also is when you watch them, they play as a unit. Yeah, what I'm most impressed. They make runs. They're doing all the right things. I swear to you, they're a good team. You know, U.S. couldn't beat them. What I'm most impressed with Canada and their qualifications is that they finished first in CONCACAF because it's, okay, qualify. It's not – when I was just looking at the qualification path for CONCACAF, they've actually turned it into a very good um, series. Right. It's actually pretty decent now, and it's going to benefit them. Although, like, because they are going to host the World Cup in 2026 cycle – Maybe, and then I think it's going to be Canada, USA, and Mexico, those three teams. Mexico, yeah. So it might actually hurt them in the long, in that aspect because they're not going to play competitive matches. But, yeah, Canada most is of the, going. Most of, the games, most of the games will be held in um, what you call U.S. It? Of course not. Of course yeah. it's going to be held here. But, you know, those three countries will be in it. Um, U.S. Is, is basically through. They had a 5-1 victory today against um, Panama. They aren't officially in. But they're just about in because Costa Rica, which is the yeah. team holding the fourth spot in CONCACAF, they, if they beat the U.S., they'll be tied on points. But they need to beat the U.S. by six goals to get the third automatic spot. And so CONCACAF plays the, um, the, the other team in the playoff from, I believe, it's from Oceania. So New Zealand is the other team at CONCACAF. So New Zealand's waiting on the fourth team. Most likely it's going to be Costa Rica. So right now it's Mexico. Uh, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. from CONCACAF. Costa Rica is going to be the fourth team, but they have to play in a playoff against New Zealand. And if we move over to that side of the world in Asia, Asian qualification is pretty much wrapped up also. I think South Korea, Iran, um, Saudi Arabia, and Japan, those four teams have qualified. Australia has also made it to the playoffs. They await the fourth, the fifth-place team in Cummy Ball. So from Cummy Ball, they've wrapped up their qualification also in terms of who gets the automatic spots. I believe Cummy Ball, it's Brazil, Argentina. They already, already qualified before this week. And then Uruguay qualified by virtue of their victory uh, this past 
you know, on Wednesday or Thursday. And then I think Ecuador is the other team that qualify. So remember, we're having this conversation about yeah, yeah. Uh, you, uh, you, uh, South America, America has four yeah. teams automatic, possibly five. And I was saying to you, there's the same team that qualify all the time. There's only one. There's one spot that's usually up for grab where the teams rotate. Ecuador is taking it this year, but Ecuador is no no stranger to the World Cup. They were there in no, they were there 2010. Were they there last time? I think they were. I don't think they were there last time, but they were there in 2010. Did they Colombia qualified this time? Colombia is there? So now the last spot is up for grab between, I believe, Colombia, Chile, and maybe Peru. Those three teams are fighting for that. Peru might have been knocked out already, but the last time I checked, there's one spot, and then they get to play against Australia. So that's, that's all that's left. And then when you go to Europe, you know, the only thing left for Europe is their um, playoff qualification. And the biggest shock of them all was seeing Italy lose to North Massey fucking Donia. Donia. <laughs> Italy's not going to the World Cup again, man. Two straight World Cups. So let me give you a quote from Fabio Capello, or at least a <laughs> statement of why he thinks Italy is no longer qualifying. He said some very damning things. Go. He said... Italy has been trying to play, the Italian league has been trying to play Pep Guardiola style football, which is not really what we're good at. And what we really should be doing is, is be trying to model our style over after Jorgen Klopp's style of football, direct football, defending directness, which is what Italians are good at. And then something he said, we failed at this club style. It says now everyone is like back passing. They look at stats and they say this guy completed 70 pass, 70% pass. But if you look at the pass, how many of those passes were actually forward passes, which is the Italian ways of direct style of playing football. Then he made yeah. one comment. He said, here's how you could tell the Italian league has gone down. He said, look at the players, Victor Osimhen, Tammy Abraham. And uh, he mentioned one other forward. Oh, uh, Romelu Lukaku. He said, those guys come to Italy and become champions, meaning they score a lot of goals. The moment you see that those guys are dominating in our league, that should tell you all you need to know about our, our league and where we've been in football. He said, we won the European Championship. It was a blip. It covered up all the mistakes that we were making and how the quality is not there. The Italian league doesn't have as many time players playing in it anymore, especially in the youth leagues. And so he's saying that's where their problems lie. Yeah. So, dude, here's here's my take on that, man. I've mm -hmm. I've heard that argument before. It's lame. It's mm -hmm. old. Blame the foreigners for the reason why your national team mm -hmm. didn't do well. Here's the catch about that: that the national team. Let's break down the players that actually play on that team. The teams they play for, they start, they dominate. You have Jorginho, my man. He plays for Chelsea. He starts. He's a good player. He missed, in, in fact, he's getting the most blame for those missed penalties against Switzerland. Switzerland that could have put exactly. them automatically in. But when you look at it, for the most part, a lot of these guys all play for their top team. They, and the top teams, I'm talking about the Juves, the Inters. And these teams compete on the European continental level. No. Here's Their what, problem is strikers. They don't have finishers, man. Yeah, so you can't they, blame. They, can, they don't yeah, have strikers. Yeah, look. All, are you, so what's England's excuse? England has how many really fantastic players? You look at the guys dominating England for the last 10 years. A lot of them have been foreigners. Yeah, but, but yet, England, it, England, England is an upswing. They made it to the Euro finals. They were in the semifinals yeah, of the World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, England is yeah. doing that, well. That, that's my point. So his, his argument has no bearing whatsoever. Here's what happened. The talent team you put together. Went to play North Macedonia. Macedonia. 
and they thought we're just gonna walk over these clowns right, and they got right. their asses handed to them. That's right, all it is. Right, this is right. football. It's yeah. not. It's not. Oh, look at the guys dominate. Or, no, or it's not. They're using too much stats. And no, your players didn't show up. Period. That is true. And that is true. Yeah. And if you, think, if you think about it, man, if you go back to the historical way the Italians play, anyway, they always play this high wire act. Where it's a, one goal set, decides the game for the most part when Italy is playing, whether they're playing top teams or playing not so top teams. Eventually, at some and they've always come out on the winning side, at least more often than not in those scenarios. Yeah. Eventually, that that ends. If that's your mentality as a footballing nation, at some point it's going to come back to bite you in the ass, and I think it's done that. But anyway, Italy is out. North Macedonia has to play Portugal, which looked really good against Turkey, at least um, in the initial stages until the Turk the Turks made their comeback, mounted a comeback until Burak uh, Yilmaz missed his penalty that could have tied the game, and then Portugal finished the game up. So most people will consider Portugal is going to make it in that particular playoff. The other one, there's two other ones matchups. Scotland automatically faces you, um, the winner of the Ukraine. Sorry, Scotland's supposed to play Ukraine. And I think they play against uh, Poland or so, who's waiting on them. And then Wales. Um, no, 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 I take that back. I, I mistakenly made the wrong assessment. Wales beat, won their match. They looked really good in winning the match they played against. Um, who did they beat at home? I forget. Now they beat them 2-1, but it was a pretty good match. Guy Bill, guy Bill had a brace. Yeah, and that's yeah. A, the guy comes in, plays with the national team, looks like he hasn't missed a beat, and then he can't get a minute in Real Madrid. It's something that just seems a little odd there, and I, I don't know exactly what it Dude, is. That's, that's the point I'm making about this thing. is about some players take this national team games seriously and show up. A bunch of them don't. And in Italy's case, they just didn't. I mean, look at the Euros. They had no – if you really were a betting man, you would not have bet on Italy winning the Euros. No. You wouldn't. No. But they went in there and they won. So and they look good winning it, too. They look good winning. And so, on, on top know, of that, you have to understand they had a two-and-a-half-year no, unbeaten, unbeaten streak. So that's one of the things Mancini yeah. was saying that, hey, look, we went two-and-a-half years without losing, so we don't, we're not all of a sudden bad players. It's just a problem. We just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And against yeah. North Macedonia, I know you were saying that they – I don't know that it's overlooking. They, they, shot, they took about 20 shots to North Macedonia's two. And North Macedonia's only shot on goal went in the net in the 92nd minute. So, you know, that's football sometimes. That's just <laughs> that's how it football, goes. football, man. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not Osimeno Lukaku or Tommy Abraham or, mm-hmm. you know. And then the other one was Sweden against the Czech Republic. So that's the, – okay, so that's the matchup. So Poland was supposed to play Russia. And obviously once the Russians invaded Ukraine, they got kicked out of all international sports or at least soccer. So they're not going to be in the World Cup. They were in this playoff against Poland. Poland actually said, we're not going to play you guys. We don't want to play against Russia before FIFA stepped in and uh, disqualified Russia from the World Cup. So Poland gets an automatic buy to the finals of the, the playoffs. And I think on Tuesday, they get to play against the, the winner of the Sweden-Czech Republic match. Now, that was a very interesting That's game. It was match, yeah. tense. It came down to extra time and then a moment of brilliance from um, from a bunch of guys, including Alexander Isak. Who um, yeah. is, of, I think, is of Ethiopian or Somalian background, but plays for Italy, plays for Sweden from Real Sociedad. A young kid who's often compared with Victor Osiman, actually, because they're about the same age and tearing it up a little bit. But he provided the assist for, uh, I think, Quaison was his name, the Brazilian import in Sweden, to score the winning goal in extra time. 
So they get to play against uh, Poland, and I'm, I'm I don't know I don't know who I fancy in that match between Poland and Sweden. On the one hand, Poland has you know Lewandowski, but the rest of their squad is pretty average, if you ask me. I like Sweden; they have some good players. Uh, Dejan Kulusevski, who has really hit the ground running in Tottenham, coming from Juve in the January transfer window. Uh, they have uh, yeah, Emil yeah, Forsberg. I saw, him, I, saw him, I saw him play for Tottenham. He he did really really well in the game. I saw yeah. Emil Forsberg. He's a really dynamic player in the mid in the midfield, and you know uh, some guys that play uh, defenders that play for Man United. What's his name? Um, one of the Man United defenders from Sweden plays for them, and also Alexander Isak. So I like Sweden. I I would think if you had to give me, I would say I'll take Sweden. Just but it's it's anybody's game, and then obviously Wales against. Wales against the winner between Scotland and Ukraine. Now, that game has been postponed till June because obviously Ukraine, they couldn't raise any player. Their, their players right now are busy doing more important things. They're split like that, you know. Right. And But so they postponed that match till June between Scotland and Ukraine, and whoever wins that match will play Wales. I'm thinking Ukraine is not going to be able to, like, put together a team. Most likely it's going to end up being – I'll be shocked if they do. It's going to end up being yeah. a walkover for Scotland. But that will also ensure that there will be one more – British team. Now, you, uh, Wales hasn't been to the World Cup since 1958. And this would be like a swan song for Gareth Bale. This is the one thing he's put all his eggs in this basket to achieve because it's not working out in Real Madrid. Why Scotland, the last appearance was in 98 in uh, in France. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But that's, that's what it's looking like around the world. And uh, all eyes from this point on after we finish this podcast. Tuesday, man. Abuja. Uh, game on, on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, sir. Nigeria and Ghana to decide who wins the Jalof Jalof Derby. Well, that's not even like the Jalof thing is not even an argument, man. I mean, we all know who has a better Jalof, right? That's, a, <laughs> that's someone, something someone started. To see, make see noise. for me, man, I think the, you know, the biggest yeah. argument should be which Jalof inside Nigeria is the best. Is it your about Jalof? Thank you. Thank or, you. That's the question. This, you know what I'm saying? Which That's I think the question you're, you're they should be asking. Yeah, yeah, I think you're Roger Love wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, no one can mess with your Roger Love. Lagos Jalof. Yeah, Let's I, just put it like that. Yeah. Party Party Jalof. Party Jalof. Party Jalof. Yeah, Can't beat that with it. The, one all, made, all the, one, the, the one made with firewood, with firewood and, and the pot on the firewood. Not exactly. That's that's the real Jalof right there. Yes. The Ghanaians, you got to sit down somewhere. They don't have Jalof rice. They have palm oil mixed with white rice. <laughs> Be careful though. Make sure your Canadian friends don't hear you say that because that's the, she, this, this one is. You hear me? I want declar- to hear declaration me. of open war. Yeah, <laughs> I've had Ghanaian jollof. It's just palm oil, palm oil right. white rice, and, and they might add fish inside to think that they're doing something. <laughs> that's and, all, you that's know, it's it is, not. That's not. It's not the same. Nah, anyway, we know. If it was Senegal, know. I could say okay, maybe they had an argument. But so, speaking of which, you know, as an aside, Lai Mohammed, yeah. the Minister of Information, yeah, went he's a to clown. Senegal I heard. I heard. And tasted, and he said this is the best jollof he's ever had. So you know. He should have gone fired for that alone. <laughs> they should have canned him for that alone. <laughs> My man, thank you for thanks for coming on. Yo, <laughs> we need to schedule the next session um uh, after the game on Tuesday, and it, it, it's, we're gonna go live. I remain loyal, brother. So no, yes, I'll sir. Just, just holler at me, and you know how it goes. Yeah. Hey, thank you, bro. Enjoy your time. Yes, sir. Go, go Super Eagles. Go Super Eagles.